And we start the show with breaking news. According to Adam Schefter on Twitter, the Eagles are finalizing a trade that will send DeMarco Murray to the Tennessee Titans on Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday, and as of tomorrow, it appears that DeMarco Murray will be a member of the Tennessee Titans. And we are recording this locally and uploading to SoundCloud, and then you'll listen to it on iTunes or Stitcher or whatever podcast listening platform you use. We are no longer, as of today, we are no longer broadcasting Roto Underworld Radio on Blog Talk Radio. The underground sound is closed. Blog Talk Radio changed their policies. They are now charging $40 a month for us to simulcast the show over to Blog Talk Radio over a telephone line to give it that grainy underground sound. It was a great luxury to have, but it wasn't the primary vehicle for delivering the show to the audience. You'll get the most out of the show by accessing the stereo version on SoundCloud via iTunes, via Stitcher, what have you. So for some of you that enjoyed the underground sound, this is a sad day. I preferred the stereo version. I prefer clean sound over grungy sound, so this doesn't affect me at all, but I know a lot of you liked the underground version of the show, and I'm sorry that it has to go away. We were riding a free service for a long time, though. We had a good run. Almost two years of free podcasting on the Blog Talk Radio platform. So I've lamented the programming personnel over at Blog Talk Radio on multiple occasions. But when you take a step back and you think about it, they did a great service for the show. They've changed their policies. They need to make money. I've changed my policies at playerprofiler.com in order to make money. So I can't criticize Blog Talk Radio for taking something that used to be free and then starting to charge for it. On playerprofiler.com, our rankings used to be free. We have rookie rankings and dynasty rankings up right now. They used to be free, and now we charge $30 a year. Access to services change. Business models change. So we welcome all of you listening to the clean, hi-fi sound of Roto Underworld Radio on SoundCloud. And a lot of fans of the Philadelphia Eagles are saying, well, good riddance, DeMarco Murray. You you stink anyway. Bye-bye. He did have a bad year last year. There's no doubt about it. Negative production premium, 3.6 yards per carry, 4.3 yards per touch. Wasn't a good season for DeMarco Murray in 2015. Most of the players on the Philadelphia Eagles had bad seasons in 2015, in fairness to DeMarco Murray. But the criticism of DeMarco Murray is that he isn't very good after all, that he parlayed one good season into a huge payday. And that would be wrong. First and foremost, that one good season wasn't a standard issue good season. It was a truly epic, prolific season that won many of you a fantasy championship. That's what that season was. In 2014, DeMarco Murray was awarded huge volume in Dallas because he is tremendous in all phases. It is an impossibility that a team would give a running back 450 touches if he wasn't a tremendous talent. Impossible. Simply impossible. But beyond that, 2014 was not DeMarco Murray's only productive season. In 2013, DeMarco Murray had 1,121 rushing yards on 5.2 yards per carry. 
That season, he also had 53 receptions in only 14 games. He racked up 10 touchdowns in only 14 games. So DeMarco Murray parlayed two productive and efficient seasons into a huge payday for which he deserved last offseason. And DeMarco Murray is exactly the type of athlete we love to see at the running back position. He has the size. He's explosive. He has great receiving skills. DeMarco Murray will make Tennessee better. And I'll be moving him into my top 20 dynasty rankings very soon. As soon as that trade goes through. Because he'll be returning to a bell cow role with the Titans. Also, Christopher Garish, a writer for PlayerProfiler.com, he wrote an article last year about the Alfred Morris corollary. When the quarterback is a threat to run, as Marcus Mariota certainly is, it improves the running back's rushing efficiency. So we take a fantastic all-around talent in DeMarco Murray. Give him a workhorse role with a running quarterback that can enhance his efficiency. What's not to like? Oh, but people will find things not to like. Look at a guy that looks a lot like DeMarco Murray, Jeremy Lankford. Jeremy Lankford's best comparable player on playerprofiler.com is DeMarco Murray. But I'm reading this about Jeremy Lankford. Oh, you need to avoid Jeremy Lankford. You need to sell the obscene hype around Jeremy Lankford. Wait, there's obscene hype around Jeremy Lankford? Saying Jeremy Lankford has obscene hype going into the 2016 season exemplifies the lazy fantasy football straw man that we see all the time. We lament it on the show all the time. Everyone knows Jeremy Lankford was inefficient last year. Low yards per carry, low yards per touch, low catch rate. That's obvious. There is no irrational euphoria around Jeremy Langford. It doesn't exist. That's a straw man. There's no obscene hype. Now, there is obscene hype around Thomas Rawls. That's certainly true. So if you wanted to craft a creative sell-the-hype article criticizing Thomas Rawls, well, that would be an interesting read. But no one was impressed with Jeremy Langford's play last year. <laughs> there is no obscene hype. It doesn't exist. It's a straw man premise to write an article about Jeremy Langford's underwhelming efficiency in 2015. Avoid him at all costs. No, you never avoid anyone at all costs. I don't avoid any players. There are certainly players I think are wildly overvalued, but I'm not going to avoid them. I'm certainly not going to avoid them at all costs. <laughs> what? Sure, I'll simply choose not to draft Thomas Rawls in the rounds he's currently being drafted based on his ADP because I think Thomas Rawls is overvalued, but I'm not going to avoid Thomas Rawls. In a certain round, Thomas Rawls becomes a value play and he should be drafted. And according to the current MFL 10 ADP, Jeremy Langford is going outside the top 15 backs. So I'm not sure why anyone believes that there is some Jeremy Langford hyperventilation that's happening in the fantasy football community. It doesn't exist. More likely, what does exist are fantasy football analysts struggling for things to talk about in February. That always exists. But generally speaking, I like Jeremy Langford because my perception of Jeremy Langford is heavily skewed by his Michigan State resume. That resume was much larger than his Chicago Bears resume. Jeremy Langford experienced many times more carries and many times more targets at Michigan State. So dismissing what he did at Michigan State and only focusing on what Jeremy Langford did in Chicago 
is the path to getting fooled by randomness. Because soon after converting from defensive back, Jeremy Lankford converted 28 receptions in his first year as the starting running back. Then the next year, his yards per carry improved, and he posted 22 total touchdowns before coming out. And then as an NFL draft prospect, Jeremy Lankford blazed a 4-4-2-40 at the NFL Scouting Combine. On playerprofiler.com, we adjusted Tevin Coleman's 4-3-9-40 at his pro day to a 4-4-4. That means that Jeremy Lankford had the fastest 40 time of all of the backs that were drafted in 2015 with an opportunity to become every down players at the NFL level. So based on his background and his college resume, I am paying very little attention to Jeremy Langford's 2015 catch rate and his 2015 yards per carry because those came on less than 200 total touches. His catch rate was 52.4%. That's abysmal, but it came on less than 50 targets. So if you weight that statistic too heavily, you are begging to be fooled by randomness. And the bottom line is I generally draft big explosive reception magnets in Langford is that. Will I draft Jeremy Langford over the receivers that are available at that ADP slot in redraft? Probably not. I wouldn't consider him a great value in 2016. No, but I'm not avoiding him. Run from Jeremy Langford. Here are a few other running backs that had inefficient rookie seasons and then went on to either have prolific sophomore seasons or exceptionally efficient sophomore seasons. Devonta Freeman and Charles Sims. And the reason why you were acquiring Charles Sims and acquiring Devonta Freeman after inefficient rookie seasons is because they're great receivers. They are elite talents in the passing game. And based on that fact alone, you should have been going out and acquiring Charles Sims and Devonta Freeman in your dynasty leagues in particular headed into 2015. And now that same principle would apply to Jeremy Langford heading into 2016. But if Jeremy Langford has indeed become expensive in your dynasty leagues, that's okay. There are many other undervalued target monster running backs out there. So if we had to make a top 10 reception magnet running backs who are values heading into 2016, it would now include DeMarco Murray, will include Jeremy Langford, assuming his ADP continues to stay outside the top 15 running backs. Who else would be on there? Charles Sims, as I mentioned earlier. Charles Sims, last season, had 51 catches on only a 38% snap share. That is Sprolesian. Only Sims is 20 pounds heavier than Darren Sproles. Think about it. And the Charles Sims-Devonta Freeman parallel is strong. Because think about the Atlanta Falcons last year. They knew Devonta Freeman or Devonte Freeman. I think he likes Devonte. No name confuses me more than the Devonta-Devonte Freeman name. I'm going to start calling him Devontae because I think most people call him Devontae and I think he wants to be called Devontae, so we'll call him Devontae. The Falcons view Devontae Freeman as a passing down specialist only. That's why they drafted Tevin Coleman in the third round. Then Tevin Coleman broke his ribs. Devontae messed it up. And then Te Tevin Coleman broke his ribs and Devontae Freeman was thrust into an every down workhorse role and he succeeded. He was so successful, he was the number one running back in all of fantasy. But Atlanta didn't know he could perform at that level until they put him in that position. And now I'm seeing that the Buccaneers are interested in Lamar Miller. The Buccaneers do not view Charles Sims as an every down player. Well, does that ring a bell? Atlanta didn't view Devontae Freeman as an every-down player either at this time last year. 
And look what happened. That's why I pay very little attention to what front offices are leaking to the media about how they perceive their own players. They're either putting out misinformation on purpose or they don't understand what they have, just like Atlanta didn't know what they had in Devontae Freeman last season because if they did, they wouldn't have drafted Tevin Coleman in the third round. And if they had evaluated him properly, they would have been enthusiastic about installing Devontae Freeman as their every down bell cow. But they didn't know what they had. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers clearly do not know what they have in Charles Sims, who was drafted one round earlier than Devontae Freeman in the same draft class. It's funny, we start the show talking about DeMarco Murray, and then the next two running backs we end up talking about are Jeremy Langford and Charles Sims, both of whom are best comparable to DeMarco Murray on playerprofiler.com. If you like DeMarco Murray and his size and explosiveness and pass-catching ability, then you like Jeremy Langford and his size and his explosiveness and his pass-catching ability. Then you like Charles Sims and his size and his explosiveness and his pass-catching ability. All three players project to have hugely productive 2016 seasons, as does the next player on this list, Buck Allen. Yet when I look at the MFL 10 ADPs, Buck Allen is being drafted outside the top 90 players. Meanwhile, David Johnson, who is in the same situation as Buck Allen, albeit a more explosive athlete, David Johnson's being drafted in the first round. Buck Allen's being drafted in the eighth round. How does that make any sense? It doesn't. It doesn't. It's very odd. That's why on playerprofiler.com's Dynasty Gasm, which is which is a compilation piece, the friends of playerprofiler.com submitted their favorite dynasty bylows into one giant dynasty bylow article. My contribution was Buck Allen, the best value asset in Dynasty League football at this time. Followed very closely by Jarek McKinnon. Last season, Jarek McKinnon was neutered by game flow, game plan, and a healthy Adrian Peterson. If any of those three things change in 2016 for Jarek McKinnon, Jarek McKinnon, the athletic monster in his third year playing the running back position, if any of those three things change, better game flow, more playing from behind, different game plan, injury to Adrian Peterson, any of those three things happen, watch out! Because Jarek McKinnon is a monster. The next reception magnet on the list is Duke Johnson. He was a true workhorse back at Miami in every sense of the word. An incredible receiver, and he has the necessary size to be a workhorse in Cleveland. Isaiah Crowell is not a threat to Duke Johnson. Isaiah Crowell is a one-dimensional clock grinder on a team that rarely plays with a lead. Think about that. He should change his name to Crowelp. Crowelp. The next guy on my list is Damian Williams. Damian Williams runs a 4.45 at 220 pounds. That comes out to a 113.2 speed score. That's upper 90th percentile. He is a size speed specimen. And what's more, Miami liked to play Damian Williams in passing situations in 2015. In fact, they almost exclusively used him in passing situations. Remind you of anyone? Yeah, he's a poor man's Charles Sims. The next guy on the list is Melvin Gordon because Danny Woodhead is 31 years old and Melvin Gordon had the quietest 90% catch rate of any starting running back in the history of the NFL. Who knew that Melvin Gordon posted a 90% catch rate? Contact the show, rotounderworld at gmail.com or on Twitter at rotounderworld. Did you know Melvin Gordon 
was a fantastic receiver. I didn't know it until I looked at his profile. Also on his profile was a negative 24.1 production premium, which is playerprofiler.com's situation agnostic efficiency metric. That was league bottom. (laughs) So that was a problem. But if we apply the same principle that we applied to Jeremy Langford, that we're not going to overreact to a partial rookie season, then Melvin Gordon, who's being drafted outside the top 20 running backs in MFL 10s, Melvin Gordon looks like a great value because he has a bell cow profile and will be the focal point of an efficient offense. So when you take a step back and you remove the tainted brand that is the Melvin Gordon brand, because Melvin Gordon has been mocked relentlessly for months, and I'm raising my hand, I've been one of those that have been mocking him, because it's funny to mock him. How often does the chosen one running back drafted in the first round post a negative 24.1 production premium? Never. It was a historic face plant by Melvin Gordon, and that in and of itself is funny. But that doesn't mean he can't be undervalued headed into 2016. I think he is. Another guy is Kenyon Barner. He's very interesting, especially if the Eagles trade Ryan Matthews. The Eagles front office is interesting because the guy that's trying to undo all the moves from GM Chip Kelly is none other than Howie Roseman, the former general manager. He's trying to unwind everything that was done over the last year. And that's interesting to me. How often do you see a person in a leadership position get demoted, and then not resign. It's rare. That person usually resigns, nine times out of ten. But Howie Roseman did not. He chose to go the route of the survivor and say, no, I will take a lesser role. I will take less responsibility because I have confidence in my skills and I lack confidence in your skills. I think you'll be out of here before I am and I'll reclaim my job as general manager. And that's exactly what happened with Howie Roseman. Howie Roseman took an interesting path to the GM's chair for the Philadelphia Eagles. Howie Roseman was a lawyer like most lawyers, practicing law outside of sports. And then he decided one day that his passion was sports and he wanted to be part of an NFL franchise and contribute in some way. He didn't care what the role was. He didn't apply for a job as the team's general counsel. He knew he wasn't qualified for that role. So what Howie Roseman did is he started a letter writing campaign. Every day wrote a letter to the Philadelphia front office. Every single day wrote a letter, wrote a letter, wrote a letter. And eventually the administrative assistant said, excuse me, team director of operations, this This guy continues to write us letters. Would you mind having him in for an interview for an entry-level position? Because an entry-level position just opened up. They had Howie Roseman in. He impressed them. He took a position in the ground floor to do the grunt work at first. And then he rose up. Of course, knowing the law and having the skills of a lawyer allows you to rise to the general manager chair more quickly than someone without that degree, of course. But that's the path he took. It's a path of persistence. So in that context, when you heard that Howie Roseman stayed with the Eagles, it was less surprising because he's not one of these guys that's in a leadership position in the NFL who is soaked in ego. Most of them are. But if you look at his career path, it was irregular. He came from more humble beginnings. Also, he understands the NFL general manager landscape. There are only 32 general manager jobs, and some of them are better than others. They don't come open that often, and the options for a resigned general manager are not plentiful. So Howie Roseman's decision to stay with Philadelphia was most likely simple pragmatism. But the way he's wired and the path he took to get into that position allowed him 
to make a clinical business decision regarding his career instead of making an emotional decision after having the responsibilities of the general manager position revoked. Because even knowing that there are few opportunities waiting for you, if you were to resign, most people would have resigned out of pride. And so I admire Howie Roseman for staying with Philadelphia, making the rational decision, and now it's paying dividends. Now he's back in the general manager chair, and he has an opportunity to reshape that franchise and get it back on track because he is one of the better general managers in the league. He did stock the Philadelphia Eagles with talent. And then Chip Kelly arrived and decided that some of his most talented playmakers just didn't fit with his culture. Yeah, like culture. Howie Roseman's sitting there going, oh, well, Deshaun Jackson's pretty good. I don't know if this is a good idea. Whoops. But bringing in Kenyon Barner was a good idea. Now, he's not an every-down player, but he is an explosive playmaker who could lead the backfield in opportunity share in 2016. And the last back who was efficient in the passing game, who I think is undervalued headed into 2016, it's one that may surprise you. It will definitely surprise you because it's Eddie Lacy. Eddie Lacy right now is in the process of losing 20 pounds. And that's important because you simply cannot be as explosive at 240 pounds as you were at 220. It's impossible. It's intuitive. It's just obvious. And I've heard people say, well, if he plans to lose 20, 25 pounds, does that mean he's going to be 205 pounds? Is he not going to be big enough to be an every down workhorse at the NFL level? No, 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 I love Tony Orton. Jump knee tuck. The mother. The mother of all workouts. The jump knee tuck. You're going to move and you're going to groove. It's a moving and grooving workout. Motivational cheese. I like my personal trainers to be cheeky and fun. I do. It's what I like. I like Tony Orton. And I like his workouts. I like P90X. The program works. I used to be over 200 pounds. I now hover around 175. Ever since I started the P90X program, I sound like an infomercial, I know, but I lost 25 pounds and I kept it off. So I'm a believer. I'm a believer in lean Lacey in 2016. But even going back to Fat Eddie, if you go all the way back to 2014, the reason we liked Eddie Lacey headed into 2015 is because he was hugely efficient in 2014. A plus 18.6 production premium on playerprofile.com, 13th in the league. 4.7 yards per carry, 5.5 yards per touch, 35.8% juke rate was top five in the league for Eddie Lacy in 2014, 76.4% catch rate was top 25. Across the board in 2014, Eddie Lacy checked every efficiency box. And if he's lean Lacy headed into 2016, I don't see any reason why he can't recapture that form. I am buying Eddie Lacy in a big, big, big way. Now, a guy I'm not buying is Joseph Randall because interspersed in all the NFL free agent news was the fact that Joseph Randall was arrested for a fourth time. And now he's starting to remind me of former Lions receiver Titus Young. It's a bad situation. And you see this happen in sports because we love to celebrate the entertainers when they are achieving feats of athletic brilliance, but we will just as quickly mock them 
when they find themselves in embarrassing situations. It happens all the time. Someone does something crazy like steal underwear, so we mock them incessantly. Then later it turns out that person actually does have a brain chemistry issue, but we've already moved on to something else. We've already had our fun. We've stopped caring about that person, and that's sad. And last year, I thought Joseph Randall was one of the best value running backs in fantasy football, and I was wrong. I should have put more credence in those off-the-field issues. He was riskier than I thought. His floor was lower than I thought. I erred with my Joseph Randall evaluation last season. And yet, praise continues to pour in for playerprofiler.com. Hey! And I appreciate it. This year, we posted the rookie combine data in real time. Last year, it was a week delayed. This year, we were on it. And then we quickly turned around rookie player rankings. And as I mentioned before, the player rankings are available on playerprofiler.com if you purchase a premium subscription. So you should go there now, check it out, purchase a subscription. Not only can you get access to the player rankings, but if you buy our all-in package, you can also get access to the data analysis tool. And that will allow you to download all the rookie data all the rookie dominator ratings, all the rookie workout metrics, and then you can analyze that data yourself. Isolate certain players, see how the tiers break out based on the metrics that you believe are the most important. That's the beauty of the data analysis tool is it allows you to pull all the data and then you can decide what's important and then you can sort the data accordingly. You can graph the data accordingly. So go to playerprofiler.com now, sign up for a subscription, and, and then you can check out our player rankings and our data analysis tool. And those that have signed up already have had nothing but good things to say about it. So again, I am very appreciative, but there are always buzzards circling. We can never forget the buzzards on this show. We can't. There's always this buzzard. You keep burning bridges. You'll never know when you want someone to help you, and then you'll realize how radioactive you've become. You really need to stop mocking top fantasy experts and bashing great sites like fantasy pros. <laughs> Where do these people come from? I don't know. It's just crazy. Who are you? You have to laugh at this. You just have to. Yes, in an earlier show, we talked about Fantasy Pros. We talked about how Fantasy Pros is great for the consumer, but it's not great for those doing all the work to produce it. Nike shoes are great too because their product has an unbeatable value proposition because the source of the product are coerced Chinese youth. And the source of Fantasy Pros are fantasy analysts volunteering the product of their labor. True, but not me. I have initiated a one-man boycott of Fantasy Pros, and I think a couple other straggler buzzards came in after the fact and said, oh, by the way, I'm boycotting it as well. That's okay. You don't have to boycott it. Like I said, for a consumer, it's a great tool. If we can get all the fantasy experts around the country to boycott, then we're on to something. Then that could be interesting. We should start a campaign. We should start a fantasy analyst-wide campaign to boycott fantasy pros and demand that they pay analysts for their rankings. I'll do it too. I'll do it. I'll start that campaign. Let's get it done. We'll start a hashtag. Oh yeah, it's on. I'll do it because no website is beyond reproach. You all know deep down that the fantasy football industry is like a back-scratching old boys club with a tangled web of relationships, with a tacit detente not to be overly critical of one another. 
you know that detente exists. And the owners of sites justify it by saying, oh, well, there's not a lot of money in this game. We need to help each other. And the analysts say, well, I don't want to burn a bridge to my next job. One day, I could be ESPN or NFL.com's next hot writer. I could be the next Matthew Barry. Maybe. Maybe not. I just think fantasy analysts are too supportive of each other and too accepting of bad analysis. Why? Because that guy you just pissed off could be the next hotshot decision maker at Yahoo Sports? Fuck him! Who is the only person in this industry you know could care less about urinating on the sensibilities of ESPN, Fantasy Pros, NFL.com, whoever? It's me! Who else is saying these things in a public forum? Not on Twitter. Twitter doesn't count, by the way. People do it on Twitter all the time, but they're just anonymous Twitter trolls. They don't count. No. It also comes off as boorish when you criticize someone on Twitter. I don't do it that much. My troll game has been declining over the years because of that. But I'll go after everyone, not just ESPN. You could even be a nobody with a plagiarized ebook like Jack Delaney, and I'll hold you accountable on air. You could be the biggest spender in the industry. DraftKings, FanDuel. I'll record two full shows ripping apart your business model. I've mocked everyone on the show, from Bill Simmons to Johnny Rumford. Go ahead and have me on your podcast. Go ahead. Go ahead. Have me on your podcast. And I'll go on and I'll try to ruin it. Because this is sports. It's sports entertainment. In the annals of world history, the least important footnote on the human race will be how we analyzed sports entertainment events. We don't matter. So if none of this matters, none of it needs to be taken seriously. None of it needs to be held with reverence. Tear it down. Burn it all. I don't care. There are no sacred cows on Roto Underworld Radio. No one is safe because I am beholden to no one. I am an independent actor in this community. I am accountable only to myself. And even then, it's like, well, I'm sort of a little bipolar. I'm a little schizophrenic. So I can lie to myself that I was accountable to myself and let myself get away with something that I myself did. Anyway, I take pride in the fact that this show doesn't have the formal trappings of a traditional podcast. When I sit down in front of this microphone, I don't feel like I'm doing a show. Nor should anyone that does a podcast. I imagine that I'm sitting at a table at a bar with a single member of this audience just talking football or whatever comes up. Just telling stories. Doesn't matter. We're just sitting down talking. That's it. I would say the same thing to you, the audience, that I would say to one of my friends in the fantasy industry privately during a phone call. And people say, well, your podcast is already unique. You're talking about advanced metrics that no one else is talking about. Isn't that enough for you? Do you have to go out and burn bridges on purpose? Yes. Yes. Yes, of course. Because of course I do. Who else is going to burn them? The purge needs to happen, but someone needs to carry the torch. Some areas of this forest are littered with dead trees. Bad fantasy football analysis. It needs to be burned away. So from the ashes can rise better analysis, more entertaining personalities. And I do it simply because that's the entire premise of this show. The show was founded on raw truth saying with no formalities and no walls. If I have a thought and I decide not to share it with the audience, then I'm not being true to you, clearly, but I'm also not being true to myself. If I'm not being true to my audience, if I'm not being true to myself, then we're also not being true to the show, then why even do the show? There's no point in doing the show if you're not true to yourself, the audience, and the show's premise. 
So for you, member of the Roto Underworld Radio audience, if you value the fact that a raw, unfiltered fantasy football podcast exists, you now have a way to support it. I never asked for donations on this show. I said, wait. One day, I will launch a premium section of playerprofiler.com, and I will provide you with a product and a service that has value. And then we can have a value-for-value exchange. That's how you can support the show. And I won't have to do any panhandling. I will simply provide something that you believe is valuable and worth the cost. And I believe for most of you who are fans of this show that the player rankings and the data analysis tools are worth the investment. So when you buy the all-in package on playerprofiler.com, you are supporting an independent voice willing to say whatever is on his mind. 